the best of the week on Relevant Radio. So my question to you is, it's a rhetorical question, but it could become a real one. Would you like to pay reparations for slavery? Slavery was heinous. It was abominable. It was hellish for so many people who suffered under slavery. And of course, the the fat cats who made a lot of money by owning slaves, not every slave owner did, but regardless, it was a terrible thing. And people suffered terrible injustices, families split apart, murders, rapes, you name it. It was just a terrible, terrible thing. And we should always remember that stain on our American history so that it should never be repeated again. But does it mean that it would be equitable in the true sense of the word, not in the modern ideological sense of the word? Would it be truly equitable? Would it be appropriate? Would it be ethical to force you to pay reparations for things that took place 150, 60, 70, 200 plus years ago? Is that really fair is another way to put it. This is a, uh, a debate. Now, you're going to hear one side of this debate or in one part of one side of this debate by Rafe Heidel Manku, M-A-N-K-O-O. And it's at Cambridge University. And there's a debate on about slavery and colonialism and reparations. Like, you know, you should have to pay reparations for slavery. And it's a hot topic. It's certainly hot here in these United States. It's hot there in England right now. And England is certainly, and not just England, but but the United Kingdom in general, is certainly every bit as far left as we are here in, in these United States. So this is in front of students, and they all look rather young. But you're going to hear Rafe uh, Heidelmanku, who I believe is either ethnically Pakistani or Indian, probably Indian if I had to guess, but he has the posh British accent. And he's explaining to these kids why reparations is not a good idea and why people today shouldn't have to pay reparations. I'll let him make the case for you. And when you see the video, right now you'll just hear it. This is theater of the mind. But there are students, male and female, all around him, behind him, on either side of him. This is in the debate hall at Cambridge. And when you actually see the video, you see how uncomfortable they are. They're fidgeting, they're frowning. Uh, one of the girls kind of gives this head cocked to one side, like she can't believe what she's hearing. And uh, there are a few attempts along the way to interrupt him because they don't really want to hear what he has to say. But I'd like you to hear what he has to say. It's not very long, only several minutes, and I'll pop in here and there so you know that it's still me. But this is Rafe Heidelmanku at Cambridge University in England talking about why we shouldn't have to pay reparations. You know, in recent months, we've seen the issue of slavery and colonialism expand beyond campuses, as we've now got, of course, from Barbados to Jamaica, prominent Caribbeans are also calling for Britain to pay reparations for slavery and the consequences of colonialism. And Madam Speaker, were we engaged in this debate in 1807 or 1833, I likely would have crossed the floor to support the motion opposite because, of course, the victims of the horrendous horrors of slavery would have been alive and deserving of damages. But it's not 1807, it's not 1907, it's not even 2007. Over two centuries have passed since Britain led the world as the first empire in history to abolish slavery and the right of reparations died long ago because reparations are fundamentally about matters of tort law. 
The purposes of damages, restoration, of reparation, is to restore the victim, the slave, to the position they were in before the damage occurred, slavery. The actual victim only can receive damages, not their descendants. And therein lies the rub, because some six or seven generations separate those alive today from their British Empire slave ancestors. And whilst not just yet, thank you so much. Whilst it's undeniable that 19th century Let's slaves suffered on... So they, they couldn't quite contain themselves. They had to interrupt this guy because they can't just like shut off their opinions and listen for a while and maybe learn something. They want to start heckling him. And he's not right now. Well, you know, wait your turn, so to speak. So here he goes. Whilst it's undeniable that 19th century slaves suffered unspeakable horrors, in what way can this lead one to conclude that their great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren are also victims and deserving of reparations too? On the contrary, from Britain to the Caribbean, the descendants of slaves today have a far better and higher quality of life than they would have had had their ancestors remained in Africa. And that's an indisputable fact. But if you let me carry on, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. But first I ask you, is a current descendant of a slave ethically entitled to benefit from their ancestors' sufferings? And who should pay? Is it ethical for an innocent person today to be culpable for the sins of their forefathers? Now, CARICOM, which is the Caribbean body calling for reparations, wants British taxpayers to pay. But why? Out of a population of millions, there were only 3,000 slave owners in Britain. The vast majority of the population of Britain descend from people whose lives were one of abject poverty and hardship, working in hellish conditions akin to serfdom. Why should they, as taxpayers, pay reparations? It's not just yet. Thank you so much. 16% of the... So these kids cannot contain themselves. They're hardwired to interrupt and to try to heckle this guy, and he's not allowing it to happen. And that's part of what makes this so instructive is to see he just keeps pushing forward. It's okay, we'll get to that. Don't worry, we'll, you'll have your turn kind of thing. But what I find fascinating, not only about the message that he's delivering, that these kids have never in a million years have even heard, but that they don't know what to do with it. They can't seem to thoughtfully consider the point he's making because it's so outside their frame of reference that all they can think to do is like hyperactive kids in class. They just jump up and they blurt out, but they don't listen. And I'm hopeful that some of them at least will come away from what he has to say with a different perspective on things. Okay, let's continue. 16% of the British population is now also foreign-born, so why should they pay for reparations? What about the descendants of slaves living in Britain today? Why should people from Trinidad and Tobago living here pay reparations to people in Jamaica? Then again, why is the demand for reparations always focused and framed in terms of Britain? Why are no activists asking for reparations from the African states that were equally complicit in slavery? Should they not pay reparations? They provided the slaves that were transferred over the ocean and millions more slaves were kept in slavery in Africa by other Africans just as were being transported across the Atlantic. Why does nobody ever actually speak about that unpleasant truth? What about the Arabs and the Muslims who bought and sold African slaves for centuries before the British arrived and continue to do so into the 20th century until the British and the French tried to stop it? And indeed, what about the slavery that carries on today? 
The International Labour Organization says that currently approximately seven in every 1,000 Africans is a slave. 10 million people. In 2017, CNN reported hundreds of slaves are sold every week in Libya. So much energy is given to historic reparation and the historic plight of slaves. I would have more time for the argument if the people were actively, actively pursuing that course of action were equally vocal about surely the far more horrendous plights of slaves today, where there are more slaves today in bondage, in slavery, than crossed over the Atlantic. So where are the protests outside the Nigerian High Commission? Where are the protests outside the embassies of Niger, which has 800,000 slaves today? What about Mali and Chad and Sudan and Cameroon? It's almost as if there's an ulterior motivation behind the call for apologies and reparations exclusively from Britain. And the U.S. And how far should we... No, I, I would love to, and normally I would, maybe a bit later on, but I'm getting into the swing of things now. <laughs> British colonies are the ones most likely to be the most developed, the wealthiest, and the most democratic. I therefore have no opposition in opposing tonight's motion, but I'd like to end by quoting the great black civil rights activist and socialist Bayard Rustin, a friend of Martin Luther King Jr.'s and posthumous recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama, who said, if my great-grandfather picked cotton for 50 years, then he may deserve some money, but he's dead and gone, and nobody owes me anything. Thank you. It speaks for itself. Yes, I've been editorializing. That's true. Um, and I will retweet this. So if you're interested, you can see this. And it, half of it is the reaction of these students. They just cannot deal with it. But uh, it's a good conversation starter. And you'll find it on my Twitter feed, at Patrick Madrid. Just retweeted it now. Liz wrote in a moment ago to say, my ancestors fled Germany to the Ukraine because of religious persecution. Then they fled Ukraine because the Russians were coming after them. Back in Germany, the economy crashed and they lost everything. So they came to America. Why should we pay reparations for something we have nothing to do with? Most people have suffering and great hardship in their ancestry. Good point, Liz. Good point. Uh, let's see what Michael has to say in Las Vegas. Good morning, Michael. So I want to uh, throw an interesting parallel out there. So say my great-great-great-grandfather, they found irrefutable evidence that he murdered somebody back when he was alive. And so now they came back to me and go, you know what? We didn't know it was him, so you're going to have to serve his time. Yeah, you didn't commit the crime, but you're his descendant, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So they're coming to me saying that I have to do that. So a uh, little backstory: I was right. My mother was fantastic, but we lived next to an African-American family. We were best of friends. They talked all the time. I didn't even know what prejudice was until I was 18 going to the Navy and I couldn't understand why people were not liking other people mm -hmm. because of their color or anything. It didn't make any sense to me because my mother instilled that in us that everybody to love everybody. Mm -hmm. So if, if I abhor slavery on all counts, I think it's stupid. I don't believe in what they did back then. I don't believe why should I, I'm not them. They were them back then. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to pay a reparation because I'm not them. I don't believe in them. I would never own a slave. Here's how the people who promote reparations would respond to you, because they have responses to these things. Everything that uh, Rafe Hadel Manku, I want to say his name right, everything he said, they have rebuttals to. 
Here's what they would say to you. They'd say, okay, but you don't really realize the dynamic that set in because of slavery. So let's take slavery here in this country. The, the slaves themselves, of course, they were about as abused as you could possibly be short of death. And, of course, they're not here. But this system set up a syndrome in this country. Hear me out, Michael, because I'm giving you what the other side would say. It set in motion a syndrome that severely disadvantaged their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera, and severely or at least tremendously advantaged white people. So even though you didn't own the slave, even though you didn't whip the slave, even though you didn't buy the slave, you're benefiting today from slavery. And the black people of today are still suffering economic disadvantage, lack of access to jobs. They have a whole list of, of grievances. That's why you should pay because you've benefited from slavery indirectly and they are still being disadvantaged. That's the way they would turn your argument against you. And how would you respond to that? Just by simply saying, but I wasn't the one that disadvantaged them. But you're still reaping the benefits. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate, Michael. I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. But to play devil's advocate, they'd say, okay, that's fine. But you're still unfairly, in a sense, kind of participating insofar as you're benefiting from the vestiges of slavery. So you're still participating whether you know it or not. And this gets into the whole nonsense about white privilege and things of that nature. But just as far as reparations are concerned, their argument is that you still benefit, therefore you personally should pay. I had no say in the benefit. Does that make sense what I'm trying oh, to yeah. say? Oh, totally. yeah. I'm here where I'm at. And I came from a very poor family. I, I had to work through things and everything myself. So I didn't see any of the any of the stuff that they're talking about. So I would say, no, you're yeah. misunderstanding. You're thinking every white person has the advantage that you're talking about. And you're you're categorizing being in somewhat prejudice yourself, thinking that every white person has this advantage that you're talking about. And you would be grossly incorrect. I agree with you, and they would just be prepared that they would tell you that's just your white privilege speaking. You're blind to it. You're so privileged, you don't even, you're not even aware of it because you're so accustomed to it. And they'll smirk and laugh and, you know, dismiss you because all of your common sense goes out the window when it comes to things like this. This is where the word equity comes in. In modern speak, equity does not mean equity the way it used to mean. It means, you know, that you've got something that you had an advantage for and somebody else didn't have an advantage. Therefore, what you got needs to be redistributed to that person. That's what they mean by equity. And it applies, it applies rather across the board. And to your point, Michael, you didn't do any of those things. And it's they're conspicuously silent when it comes to the various other groups that did participate and even today participate, as, as uh, Mr. Mancou pointed out, in slavery, even to this day, they're not protesting against the Muslim countries where this is tolerated. They're not demanding that Saudi Arabia and other Muslim countries make reparations for slaves. They're not asking any of the African countries who participated heavily in the slave trade. They're not asking them to pay reparations. It's a unique group of people. It's Western white organizations or, or countries, rather, like the UK, the United States, etc. 
This entire episode of The Patrick Madrid Show is on the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio app is completely free and updated daily with fresh articles, podcasts, and prayers. Don't delay. Download the app today. And thanks for listening.